Hello, welcome to Secure Talk, your trusted source of information on the latest threats, trends, tools, and technology related to cybersecurity and compliance. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Secure Talk. My name is Mark Schreiner, and I will be your host for this episode of Secure Talk. Today, we're going to be talking with Nick Harahill, who is the Director of Customer Support for Spin AI. And we're going to be talking about a recently released research report that dives into the security risk associated with SaaS applications in Google Workspace and in Office 365. But before we do that, we're going to say hi to Nick. Nick, how are you today? Great. Thanks for having me. Hey, it's my pleasure. And uh, right before we hit the record button, I think you said you're down in the Bay Area up in the Sonoma County? Correct, correct. So I am I just envisioned that it's permanently sunny and 70 degrees with nice, <laughs> you know, offshore breezes coming in. Is that pretty much it? It is. It wasn't that way this winter. We got a lot of much-needed rain, but uh, but yeah, it's it's uh, paid off well for all the vineyards and everything else that's up here. But yeah, I would envision between now and uh, the fall that will be permanently sunny, which is great. Awesome, man. Awesome. Hey, uh, tell me a little bit about Spin AI, where you're at, where you're located, and what you guys do. Yeah, so Spin, uh, we're located in the Bay Area, um, and at Spin. We are a SaaS security platform, which is focused on mission-critical SaaS applications, so referring to environments like Google Workspace, Microsoft 365, as well as other prominent SaaS applications like Salesforce and Slack. And what we do is we proactively protect uh, those SaaS environments, uh, looking at different risks like shadow IT, ransomware, uh, data leak and data loss, as well as non-compliance. Um, with a recent uh, report that's come out where we're really focused on uh, the risks surrounding those applications uh, which have access into the SaaS environment. Yeah, so tell me a little bit, how did you um, do the research for the report and then we'll, we'll get into the findings. Yeah, so uh, just to kind of uh, set the table for our report, uh, when I talk about these applications, that have access to the SaaS environment. I'm talking about those applications that have OAuth access uh, into your environment. So if you can think of yourself as an end user, when you're utilizing your like your Microsoft or your Google credentials uh, to provide that OAuth access into your Google Workspace or, or Microsoft 365, those are the apps that we're talking about. Not just apps, but extensions and the report that we put together uh, is anonymized data from over 750 clients that are using the Spin One platform, uh, both uh, smaller um, SMB customers as well as enterprise customers. So a mix of smaller and larger customers as well as customers across industry verticals. Okay, and is this like, I mean, did you send out a, a survey or questionnaire or were you just taking data from their use of the platform? Great question, yeah, it was from their use of the platform. Okay, got you. Um, okay, so what were, what were some of the key findings? Yeah, so a couple of things that I would note that stood out to me uh, is number one, 75% of the applications that we assessed were of a medium or high risk. Uh, category. So uh, with, I think, right about 30% being in the higher risk range. And when I talk about uh, medium or high risk types of applications, the factors that are going to make those medium or high risk are going to be things like 
uh, permissions into your SaaS environment, you know, where they have things like read, write, delete, all, all those different types of things that can get scary if used incorrectly, as well as traditional security factors like vulnerabilities, uh, looking at how often these applications are updated uh, so that they can remain hardened and mitigate risks. But then looking at other factors like uh, compliance and privacy as well. So uh, looking at all those different factors, we come away with a risk score and that 75% of being medium or high definitely stood out to me. Um, a couple other things that I would note that stood out were um, a large percentage of SaaS applications have high levels of access. Uh, so just looking at a couple of examples from the Google Workspace environment where we found over 43% could read, compose, send, and permanently delete user emails and Gmail. And another 46% can edit, create, and delete uh, Google Drive files. And you will find like on the Gmail side, uh, a lot of very convenient uh, yet applications that we deemed as risky uh, that have a high amount of permissions. And the reason for that is a lot of these popular Google Workspace Gmail applications will have permissions so they, they can uh, do things like personalization, routing, and all these different types of things that um, may necessitate those permissions, but also entail some risk with it. Uh, just one last thing that I would note is that, um, and I thought this was kind of interesting, is that we found a correlation between apps that are poorly rated by users that are also apps that we deem to be of higher risk. And how I could kind of correlate the two is a lot of times those apps that are poorly rated within the marketplace, and you know these, aren't, these are end users that aren't necessarily grading it from a security perspective, but from a functionality perspective, um, many times what we're finding there is they may be developed by, you know, just one specific developer. It's not like a larger reputable company, but whenever you have one developer or a small number of developers that are maintaining an application, those th same things that provide issues for end users like functionalities and features are also going to um, end up being issues that create high risks as well. If you can imagine if you're a developer maintaining an app by yourself, uh, it's very difficult to uh, keep those uh, apps hardened um, over time. So you become kind of a single point of failure in that instance. Uh, some interesting observations. Um, let's go back a little bit. You said 75% of SaaS applications are considered medium or high risk. What are the, first off, what was the typical number of SaaS apps that any of your customers are using or have access to? Yeah, on a per, per user basis, we are finding um, per user, they have installed anywhere from 20 to 30 applications. So if you can think of a large enterprise organization uh, with thousands of employees, that, that number you know, obviously is going to run into uh, the upper thousands. Yeah, that's it's uh, kind of scary. Uh, of the, you said 75% have medium or high risk applications or considered to be, excuse me, medium or high risk applications. What are the other 25% doing that doesn't label them as medium or high risk? Great question. So uh, a lower risk 
type of application, number one, it's going to have low permissions. Uh, it's not going to require a lot of permissions to uh, within your environment that could provide, you know, extensive levels to of access to your data or functionality. Um, another factor that we find with those is they're maintained and updated frequently. Um, they are from reputable companies. They have clear privacy policies and. While any application is susceptible, susceptible to becoming vulnerable, an application with these factors, especially lower permissions, um, if and when they do become vulnerable, um, their attack, um, kind of like their sphere of an attack and the damage they can do is much, much smaller. Okay, makes sense. I mean, you mentioned the numbers of 20 to 30 apps per user in these organizations and obviously over hundreds of users, you're talking literally thousands of apps, yeah. um, which sounds like a nightmare scenario for anybody who's concerned with security. What would you advise a CISO who's new to an organization? And let's just say it's a 500 person organization and mm -hmm. you know everybody's got their priorities, where to start and everything like that. In the context of our discussion, what would, you, what would your advice be to that CISO? Yeah, so the very first thing is, and an observation I've had as I've dug into this is, number one, you should realize that this is part of your attack surface, and it's actually becoming a growing attack vector. Um, the biggest thing I've found in looking at this is that it's not really recognized as that. There, there's been a tremendous um, a blind spot in the industry when it comes to these applications and extensions. Um, so the number one thing that I would tell a CISO is make sure that you have an accurate inventory of these. Uh, secondly, beyond having an inventory, it's understanding uh, the risk that's entailed with these, making sure that you have you know, policies and governance around uh, how your employees use this within your organization, making sure that it aligns with your risk management. And with those three things that I've noted, the, the other big thing that that um, really resonates with me as a um, you know somebody that's been in information security for over 15 years is is how daunting it is to manage. So you need to have a way to automate these processes, having insight into any time an end user is providing access to a, an application, so that you can add it to your inventory. Um, apply automated risk policies and risk assessments and um, provide those resources that your those automated resources that your security and technical administrators need to get your arms around this uh, uh, what we see as a growing problem. Okay, could you give me a couple use cases of exploits in the context of these different SaaS apps that you're seeing and um, I, you don't you don't have to name the specific app if you don't want right. to but you could say what type of app it is how it was being used what was the exploit give me a couple examples and then follow that up with a couple use cases of how spin AI would help in that scenario sure so first following up on your question around you know where these applications uh, become an attack vector and it's through various forms of what's called uh, OAuth abuse. Uh, so stealing, uh, you, the attacker wants to steal your OAuth tokens. And one of the things that um, the industry has recognized that that's becoming a growing problem is 
malicious apps that are impersonating legitimate applications so that they can obtain those OAuth tokens from end users. So by impersonating a trusted application, uh, users may unknowingly provide their OAuth token uh, thinking that they are granting access to a legitimate application. Uh, so that's that's one one. That's one way that they do this. Uh, the second one is so I'm sorry. Uh, if if I'm the if I'm the user, I mean, what what exactly am I seeing? Like a login page has been set up for me just to steal my credentials. Is that what I'm seeing? Yes, and it it could be set up through a phishing campaign. Is one of the ways that um, uh, act, uh, these attackers are able to obtain that information. So it could be a phishing campaign that's noting. Um, that particular application or an application that end users typically install, um, impersonating that, and that's how they grab the OAuth tokens. Got it. Um, another uh, way that they are performing OAuth abuse uh, could be uh, what we kind of, uh, it's like permission sprawl. Um, it could be one of these similar types of malicious applications that initially it's just asking for, um, you know, very low amount of permissions to perform the scope of whatever this application or extension needs to do. Um, but in utilizing and getting that, uh, that token granted, they're actually able to uh, trick the end user into granting uh, additional permissions. So um, just to kind of sum things up, it's it's OAuth abuse where they're finding different ways to steal uh, OAuth tokens uh, from users, either through um, malicious applications that are impersonating legitimate ones, uh, through phishing attacks or other ways that uh, these attackers are tricking users to uh, grant that authorization. Yeah, I mean, I, I get probably two or three emails a day saying, oh, you need to, uh, you know, update this or you need to re-log in or you need what, whatever it is, you know, <laughs> it's just like, exactly. uh, and I mean, most of them, it's pretty obvious. Sometimes I, I might have to take a second look, uh, but yeah, they're out there, they're fishing. They're definitely doing that. Okay. And so, um, and I, I understand your platform is not really geared to helping the end user, or maybe it is, maybe there are some kind of alerts that they would receive. Um, but Explain a little bit how a platform like Spin, Spin AI would help in, in these scenarios. Yeah, so at Spin, uh, what we're doing to help uh, manage the risks uh, around these SaaS applications is, number one, we're providing an inventory uh, for uh, technical administrators so that they can understand all of the applications that their end users have installed. You know, that was... Um, the very first thing I noted that you know CISOs should be aware of is the the scope and sprawl of these applications to mitigate you know that that risk of shadow IT as well as understanding what's within their environment. So having an automated inventory is very important. Uh, it's just like other things we do in cybersecurity where we have asset management, all those different types of things to understand uh, what's within their environment. Taking it a step farther, uh, an automated risk assessment. Um, so in talking to some companies that uh, we've gotten started with on this process and um, understanding the very daunting, daunting process they used to do where they did this on their own, it would take up to two to three weeks for them to assess one application. And we were talking earlier about that sprawl of applications and how many an enterprise company or even a smaller business could 
struggle to get their arms around, uh, it's very important that that's an automated process. And it's been, we have a proprietary process where we're able to go out and scour the internet and different endpoints to pull together uh, this risk assessment. So an inventory, an assessment, but then the last thing uh, that's most important here is that you apply automated policies. So what we do is we apply policies where an organization can apply all different types of factors uh, to put things either on a block list or an allow list, you know, looking at all those different um, all those different portions of our assessment, they can put in logic and criteria, for instance, if it uh, has excessive permissions, they can block their end users from installing those. Um, if it has um, a score, you know, we we have a score from zero to 100, where the lower the score, the higher the risk. We see a lot of our mature customers utilizing that score, you know, if it's under a 30, something like that. Um, but one thing I would also note that we provide to our customers is, you know, just like any application, uh, an application can, you know, be very hardened, but over time, you know, it can unravel a bit, become vulnerable, become breached. And one thing that's very important and is part of our process is that we're regularly ass assessing these. Uh, every time an end user grants access, we're going through and doing a new assessment. Uh, both based on compliance, privacy, and security factors, as well as the amount of permissions that the end user is granting. So uh, just to sum things up there, we're providing an automated inventory, a risk assessment, and providing controls in place so that you can align policies with uh, uh, whatever your risk posture is for these applications. Excellent. And the policies that you're enacting or enabling, is that done at the app level, so the the you know your security person, engineer, CISO, somebody's going to go into that app and set these up, or is this done at your platform level or at or at the OAuth level? What's it? Where 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 are these that set up? Yeah, you can do it at either. You can do it at a specific app level, but what we see with most of our customers, they're applying policies across the board, so that any of these OAuth applications uh, that their end users are installing are referencing uh, whatever that risk policy is. So they could put a blanket policy across all of their applications and users or subsets of applications and subsets of um, you know, users within their organization, um, business units, things like that. So they can go either very granular or, or broad across applications and organizations. Great. And you already mentioned some examples of policies, but maybe you can list like the top three most commonly deployed and or most important to use policies. Yeah, I would say from our uh, from my experience with our customers, uh, the number one policy that they're utilizing is um, they very much trust our scores. They get used to uh, the scores that we provide them. So if uh, going back to my example of an application that scores less than a 30, they're gonna have high trust in our process that those are applications that they have found to um, also um, be ones that they deem risky and don't want to allow. Um, a second type of policy that we see uh, could be just based on permissions, you know, the type of permissions that they're uh, exposed to uh, within their SaaS environment, their Gmail, their drive, um, 
whatever service uh, these particular applications are exposed to. And then the last one uh, would be on compliance. You know, um, one you know point of oversight I see within the industry. You know, I go back to my early experience in security where I used to manage uh, third-party risk management at, at an enterprise company. And anytime we would engage, a business unit would engage with a third-party relationship or bring a new app into our environment, it had to go through our process where my team was assessing things on all those different factors that we're talking about with these SaaS apps, you know, privacy, security, um, compliance, and um, privacy and compliance becomes a blind spot for these as well. It's not just the security end of things. You know, if you're plugging in applications that could put you out of compliance with GDPR or, or other um, regulatory issues, um, th those can become a risk to you as well. So the last policy that I see that is really common is customers that are keying in on those factors so that they're not just looking at security risks, but also compliance risks that they have within their organization. Excellent. Do you have a favorite app to hate in terms of their security vulnerabilities? I mean, do you have, is there is there a one that's like, oh my gosh, it's always there. This is always an issue. And if not, no. it's okay. And if you don't feel comfortable naming it, that's okay as well. <laughs> no, I won't. I won't name a specific one. But what I will say is kind of going back to that point around. Um, how we regularly assess applications because they could become either more vulnerable or more hardened. You know, we do see very popular apps within, um, you know, utilized by users within Google Workspace and Microsoft 365 that um, over time, you know, they unravel a bit. Maybe they require more permissions based on new functionality that's been introduced or other things that we found that we've assessed that, you know, it could have been something that was scoring an 80 that is now scoring out of 40 and has continued to going uh, downward. So, um, and I did talk a little bit earlier about, you know, there's a lot of applications out there that are very convenient for like your, your Gmail, your Exchange, wherever, but those do entail a lot of permissions that I know end users aren't necessarily thinking about security when uh, they're installing these things, they're thinking about the convenience they entail, but uh, security and technical administrators definitely need to uh, be keeping an eye on that. I think that's some, some good advice. Hey, as director of custom support, what are the most common types of questions and requests that you receive? Um, it, it's a mix of things. Um, you know, it could be either, um, you know, what are other customers' best practices? You know, people like to learn from other customers that we have that are very matured and are, you're really maxing out what they're doing on our platform. Uh, so that's one, and that's a good one. Um, but others, I would say it's just kind of uh, direction and feedback that they need from us. Like, just specifically talking about risk assessment, I think what we find is it's very eye-opening when a company starts with us and they turn on spin and they start inventorying um, these applications. Um, it's, you know, it's turning on the light where the light wasn't turned on before and they see the scope of all of these things in, within their environment. So it's really a lot of the questions at that point is, you know, how do we get started? You know, how mm -hmm. do we um, get our arms around this? So it's a lot of consultation in that sense. What's the deployment 
process for spin? How does it work? How does it, is it always running? And, you know, and then also what's the, the, the fee structure? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. Um, when it comes to um, turning us on, it's, it's very easy. Um, so just, it's very much like uh, your end users that are installing this application, like for instance, with a Google Workspace, it's your Google Workspace administrator um, would be your spin administrator. So when they hook us up, within hours, you're already getting value because uh, we're ingesting your end users as well as all of um, all of those applications and, and different services uh, that we're monitoring. So it's it's very easy within hours. It's cloud-based, doesn't require you know agents to be deployed, infrastructure to be stood up within your environment very quick time to value, which is, is is great for me as a support person. Fee structure, I would actually have to defer on that one um, and point um, end users to our website so that they could uh, talk with our sales team on that. Awesome. Um, speaking of which, then, if any of our listeners wanted to, one, get a copy of the research report that you referenced earlier, and or two, get more information about SPIN, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, just go to spin.ai. Uh, you can find a lot about both this report as well as other things that we find inter interesting going on with the within the industry and how we marry that with um, our product and how we're helping our customers uh, manage all of these types of risks within the SaaS environment. So yeah, go to spin.ai. Awesome, and I'll put a link to Spin's website in the show notes. Hey, Nick, really appreciate your time and thank you so much for coming on Secure Talk. Yeah, thanks, Mark. It was great being here. Hello, welcome to Secure Talk, your trusted source of information on the latest threats, trends, tools, and technology related to cybersecurity and compliance.